6th of March, they rang me up to say that I'd been awarded the uh, gold and all my crew had the bronze. And that three or four hours actually was life-changing. Yeah, I'm Keith Bauer. Um, I live in Brixham. I've done all my life. Yeah, I was uh, 30 years old and I'd uh, progressed in the lifeboat up to uh, second coxswain. Bit of an onerous position, really, because uh, the coxswain was a fisherman and he wasn't available all the time. I was a fisheries officer by then and uh, I was deputy chief fisheries officer for Devon and I was on the quay most of the time and handy and most of the station work fell to me and um, so I used to take the the new Aaron out on practice on a Sunday morning I really enjoyed that because I could work the boat up to to how I really wanted it and um, then on the um, on the sixth no, on the 5th of December 1976 uh, the weather was absolutely flat calm, like a mirror. And uh, I went home that night and went uh, went to bed and I'd, I could hear the wind rattling the windows and there was a big low coming up through the channel. And uh, at about quarter past one-ish, I suppose, all of a sudden my bedroom lit up because the pager was going the phone which I had on the on the landing uh, outside the bedroom started to ring and there was a cacophony of noise and all hell was let loose really and uh, it was Barry Anderson the uh, secretary who said uh, ah Keith he said the lifeboat's required he then uh, went on to tell me what it was all about so I just said look Captain just you 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 carry on and let me get out to the boathouse off we set we got out towards the uh, to Berry Head, and I was stood up atop in the upper conning position, and uh, we just buried into the sea, and uh, we found out afterwards that the waves were thirty to forty foot. We buried our bow in the, in the first wave, and then had to ease down, and we uh, tacked down to the uh, casualty, which was a a well-decked ship called the Lerma. And she um, was carrying chipboard and diesel oil in drums. And the, um, the, the diesel oil uh, drums had broken adrift and soaked the chipboard. And of course, that gives you a dead weight. And she had about, we think, about a 30 degree list, which they say damaged her steering. I, I rather think that the ship was fitted with what they call a telemotor, which which drove the uh, the rudder through hydraulics from the wheelhouse. And I rather think that the list upset the telemotor because her rudder was hard as starboard. So the, uh, the Lerma was going round in huge circles. Well, huge to us. Anyway, we tacked down and we eventually identified the, um, the Lerma. Most of the most of my crew were seasick, and I have to say, I, I wasn't feeling 100% myself. And um, so we we got down to the position, 
and we could see Lerma, uh, you know, a couple of miles away, I suppose. So we headed to, right towards her, and she put up a red flare. Because she was going around in a, a circle, and because a flare normally goes up head to wind, or this one did, and they put the flare up, and as the ship came around, the flare, which burns with magnesium, landed on the wheelhouse roof and set the wheelhouse roof on fire, which must be a chance in a thousand. It wasn't a very big fire, and they soon extinguished it, but at least we could identify the ship. So I can remember being down there and thinking, what the hell are we going to do? I, I knew really what had to be done, but... Um, I was in touch with the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard uh, said there is a ship called the Engadine and she has a Wessex helicopter and she is going to try and launch a helicopter and, uh, you know, that could help you. The UK government had just made a decree that um, the coxswain of a lifeboat on an incident uh, shall be deemed on-scene commander. And therefore, any any other shipping who is offering assistance should take their instructions from the coxswain of the lifeboat. So I was 30 years old then, and that seemed quite an extra responsibility. However, there was a 27,000-tonne ship called the Eurofreighter, and the captain of the Eurofreighter said, if you want me to, he said, I'll put my ship um, broadside uh, upwind of, of you and the casualty um, and make a breakwater to allow you to effect a rescue to get these people off, which is what they wanted to do. So I said, yes, please. And um, so he put his ship uh, there. We got the, the Lerma to... It just knocked knock the engine out of gear so that she could lay broadside. And she was laid bowed, bowed in towards the, uh, into the, towards the land and the, um, the stern out, pointing out to the, out to the sea. And um, the weather was so bad that it was coming over the top of the Eurofreighter and creating a boiling cauldron the other side. It was just making it a lot worse. So I politely asked him to go away. And, and uh, so he, he, uh, he said, yeah, I understand. And uh, anyway, I don't know whether he stood by or not, but um, we, we were there and just wondering what to do. And with the same, Engadine had launched a helicopter, a Wessex, and came and she saw, um, or the pilot saw what was happening. And... Um, he said, uh, right, well, I'm going to send a winch man down. So he, he sent the chap down on the end of the, the wire. And unknown to me at that time, apparently a helicopter has an explosive wire cutter. And if the uh, winch man gets tangled around the uh, anything or, or gets in trouble, they can actually cut the wire with this cutter and save the helicopter. So matey comes along and he's swinging down and he's trying to land on the stern of the, the Lerma, which was just impossible. And he, he, he actually tangled himself around the, um, one of the stays from the mast. 
And luckily, he hurt his ankle, I think, but luckily uh, he managed to untangle himself and they pulled him up and he said, no, too dangerous, I'm not doing it. So it's up to you. So I'd said to the crew, or the, the helicopter had said, if you can get them in their life raft, we can pick them up. I said, well, if we can get them in the life raft, I can pick them up. Because I knew, I knew what had to be done and put boat against ship and great risk to everything, you know. I, I had the, uh, the comfort of knowing that I was probably in command of one of the best boats in the world. And that was, she was triple diagonal mahogany, had plenty of power and... I was, I was up for it. So um, we laid there and watched. Meanwhile, the captain of the Lerma had asked them to get um, to to get to the crew to get into the life raft. They got into well, that was it as far as I knew. But the next thing we saw, there all the crew holding hands on deck, and I didn't know how many crew were on board, and. Uh, so we laid there by his uh, after deck, which was the only place where we could sort of go in and rub up and down. There was a quiet period. I mean, we just stayed and watched the seas against the area we I'd identified to go in alongside. And there was one or two moments where it was reasonably acceptable to, to go in. So I said, look, this is what we're going to do. So I got the lads together. And so I want you two up there, you two, whatever. So my idea was to get get them aboard over the uh, bluff of the bow, port side, and then take them down the starboard side and into the cabin out the way because we didn't want them interfering with our rest of our work. And uh, so anyway, I said, right, here we go then. So we, we went in alongside and one, we got one, which happened to be a woman. Uh, she was the only woman on the crew, and uh, anyway, took her down. That was successful. I think we did about a total of 10, 10 runs or something like that, and a couple of runs had to be aborted. On the fifth run, the Lerma actually, actually leaned over on us, squashed the, um, the rails uh, down to about 45 degrees, when she hit us, she 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 damaged all the port rail, and we could hear noises like rifle shots going off, and my lads reported that they could feel the deck flexing as we went alongside. Uh, later on, when the boat after after this job, the boat had to go into Upham Shipyard, and we found that the stainless steel bolts which were, I, I'm not sure, but we'll say they're quarter-inch bolts uh, holding the deck to the frames. The heads had sheared off, and that was a noise that we'd heard, um, like the rifle shots. Anyway, we did, we did uh, as I say, about 12 runs. We got, the, um, got them all off. At one time, I had to tell the captain to hurry up, and, and, and when, when this damage happened to the lifeboat, uh, the lad that was up the top with me, John Hunkin, he could actually fend off the one of the lifeboat, the ship's lifeboat, with his hand, and we were up the top, and we both came together. I could have shook hands with the skipper, so I told him, uh, "You 
you better hurry up. I didn't actually say that, but get a move on. And because um, her well decks were awash and, and the list wasn't helping us. Anyway, we got eight aboard and uh, and I, I just said to the lads, okay, uh, that's it, we're off. And then I suppose we'd only gone about 20 yards headed for Berry Head and the captain told my lads, there's two in the life raft. Ah, so they were on the weather side because obviously we'd have done all this on the lee side. And um, so we went back around and the life raft was, they had it on a tight painter because you, you, tie, you tie the painter onto the boat. But there was so much movement that the life raft was actually going from horizontal when it was floating to vertical as as the as the Lerma was moving and there's two people in there so anyway so after making signs cut 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 you know with your hand across your throat um they did and all the lights were on on the Lerma and we had two two uh uh, searchlights rigged on the on the on the flying bridge and I had another chap come up and I said whatever you do just keep your lights on on that life raft and um, so as as the 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 painter was cut the life raft drifted aft and w of course disappeared around the stern as soon as it cleared the stern of the life raft of the Loma sorry it was off at the rate of knots and at that time they or just before the, the helicopter had recorded a 40 foot difference on his altimeter between the tops of the waves and the troughs when, when this life raft went off we chased after it now uh, uh, an Aaron lifeboat does 19 knots and the speed of a breaking sea is about 19 knots and at times, we could see the life raft at, when it went on uh, on the troughs. When we were on the crest of the waves, when we were both in the troughs, the life raft was lost from view. But we, I, I kept on the course, and it, unbelievable, really. We 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 came near the boys. The boys were up for it uh, with ropes ready, and. They, they're, they're sort of directing me. And as I got close, what I thought, I come full astern against the following sea. And do you know that boat reacted? And as our bow came down past, so, so the props bit. And one of the crew members, as he fell forward with a jerk, he threw the rope and a hand came out of the life raft and somebody shouted, <laughs> That's a fantastic bit of seamanship. I said, no, no it wasn't. <laughs> it was just, it was just luck. And uh, anyway, we we got him aboard and um, uh, we left left the life raft, left the Loma, and uh, steamed home to Brixham. I I stayed up the top. Uh, great relief, ten on board, and I used to smoke in those days, and uh, so I let myself a cigar. That was the best cigar I ever, <laughs> I ever had. Brilliant. It, uh, 
and then we got in at um i don't know i passed three four o'clock in the morning something like that we've refueled the boat put it on on the moorings and i went to work i had some breakfast first but i i do remember that when we got to the boathouse bearing in mind people were feeling seasick one of the boathouse attendants uh, um, there he said I, i've made you some soup and <laughs> It was pea and ham soup, which is just what you want after, after a night out. But uh, yeah, so so that was that, and uh, uh, heard no more about it really. It took me longer to do the report by uh, to the Roy Portsmouth was the uh, the DI at the time, so he came down. He interviewed all the crew, and he actually got um, he interviewed the helicopter pilot and. One of my best possessions is uh, a, a letter from a chap called Petty Officer Aircraftsman Bailey. That's all I know about him. And he wrote me a letter because he was the man that come down on the winch. And he said that he watched the whole rescue. And uh, he said some nice things about me. So that's a really proud possession I've got. And uh, on the 6th of March, the following year, um, they rang me up to say that I'd been awarded uh, the gold and all my crew had the bronze. And that three or four hours actually was life-changing. It was... Um, I mean... The things I've done, I've been all over the country talking about the rescue, um, fundraising. Um, I've been a guest of honour, or Roz and I, guest of honour at the Dorchester Hotel at the Lifeboat and Mermaid Ball that was put on by Lady Aylesbury, I think she was called. Uh, I've been to Buckingham Palace Garden Party and the things that have happened you know, for four hours' work it was amazing. But uh, I'm very proud to have to have done it, um, and it was nice to have the gold medal. But what I'm most proud about is the fact that I could handle a boat. Hello, this is Seth Lakeman. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 Voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.